Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Transact Conference Call. Je cède maintenant la parole à Monsieur Christophe Annabelle, vice-président affaires publiques. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Christophe Annabelle, Vice President Corporate Affairs. La parole est à vous. Please go ahead. Thank you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Transact Conference Call for the presentation of the financial results of the second quarter ended April the 30th, 2021. I am here with Annick Girard, President and CEO, and Denis Petrin, CFO. Annick will provide her comments and observations on the current situation and on the operational and commercial plans for the future before Denis reviews the financial results in more details. We will then answer questions from financial analysts. Questions from journalists will be handled offline. The conference call will be held in English, but questions may be asked in French or English. As usual, our investors' presentation has been updated and is posted on our website in the investors' section. Denis may refer to it as he presents the results. Today's call contains forward-looking statements. There are risks that actual results will differ materially from those contemplated by those forward-looking statements. For additional information on such risks, we invite you to consult our filings with the Canadian Securities Commission. Forward-looking statements represent Transat's expectation as at June the 10th, 2021, and accordingly are subject to change after such date. However, we disclaim any intention or obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, further events, or otherwise, other than as required by law. Finally, we may refer to IFRS and non-IFRS financial measures. In addition to IFRS financial measures, we are using non-IFRS measures to assess the corporation's operational performance. It is likely that the non-IFRS financial measures used by the corporation will not be comparable to similar measures report by, reported by other issuers or those used by financial analysts as their measures may have different definitions. The measures used by the corporation are intended to provide additional information and should not be considered in isolation or as a substitute for IFRS financial performance measures. Additional information on non-IFRS financial measures, such as their definition and their reconciliation with the more comparable IFRS measures, are available in our annual report. With that, let me turn the call over to Annick for our opening remarks. Thank you, Christophe. Good morning, everyone. It is a very exciting time for me to take over at the helm of Transat. We are reporting numbers today that are very similar to those of the previous quarter and, again, reflect the devastating effect of the pandemic on travel and aviation in general, airlines in particular. But at the same time, we have a wonderful opportunity to use Transat's agility to emerge on top after all this and make it even stronger. We have a solid plan for that, we have the team for it, and we now have the financing it takes. 
Before I continue, I would like to hail the work of Jean-Marc Eustache, who has retired last month. He has built this company from the ground up, steered it through uncountable crises over several decades, and made it the jewel it is today. He is now living in a time when everything is in place for reconstruction and redevelopment. We will make sure we are worthy of his legacy. We have not flown in Q2 while we had a reduced activity in Q1, but the end result does not differ that much. Our net loss is $70 million, and the adjusted net loss is $103 million, the difference stemming mostly from foreign exchange gains on our leases due to a stronger Canadian dollar. No big surprise there. We have kept the screw tight on our costs and cash expenses, but there is a minimal level of fixed cost that we have to carry. However, we are beginning to see the real light at the end of the tunnel. Vaccination is making huge progress with over 60% of the Canadian population vaccinated. In Quebec only, it's more than 65%, and people can now move their second dose forward. In Europe, percentages are generally lower, but the number of people fully vaccinated is, highly, is higher because of the different strategy, so we can expect numbers to converge over the course of the summer. The U.S. and the U.K. are ahead of us. Mexico and the Caribbean are behind, but they will catch up. Infection rates are going down. Most countries are implementing, or at least, putting together plans for a safe restart of travel, and we urge Canada to follow suit in the near future. All studies show that people are eager to travel again. Consumers have put money aside during the pandemic because of all the pleasures and activities that they have had to forego during this time. Now, they want to spend it on travel, mainly for two things visiting, of course, their loved ones abroad, and vacationing. As soon as the cover is lifted, we expect to see demand ramp up rapidly. That is why we have decided to restart our operation on July 30th. This will, this will still be a prudent start. In August, we are planning to operate three international routes from Montreal to Paris, Cancun, and Punta Cana, plus a handful of domestic routes. Until the end of the summer, we will progressively add some international and transborder routes from Montreal, Toronto, and Quebec City. But that will allow us to begin ramping up, retrain our staff, reconnect with customers, and be ready to scale up when demand picks up. 2021 will be devoted to stabilizing ourselves, making the necessary adjustments, and laying the foundation for our 22-26 strategic plan, which will make us a more profitable, even more nimble and flexible leisure travel company centered around its airline activities. We will put a huge focus on our improvement as an airline. It does not mean that we will stop selling packages, this remains a critical part of our activity, but we will not invest to build our own division, hotel division, as was previously the plan. The pandemic has hindered our capacity to do so, 
by depleting our cash reserves, and we do not think that in the new world, our property should be there. We will continue the efforts to improve the airline that we have already started implementing for several years, efforts that had started to pay off in the beginning of 2020 when we were looking at what would probably have been our best winter season for many years had the pandemic not struck. Those efforts are centered around three items that have the most impact on cost, revenue, and overall efficiency. They are the network, the fleet, and revenue management practices. We will build a more robust and balanced network focused on Eastern Canada and Montreal in particular, while maintaining our international anchors. This will give us more connecting capabilities and allow us to reduce seasonal variations and increase frequencies, therefore improving the utilization of our aircraft, which is a key performance driver in the airline industry. We will feed it with domestic connections to the West and more transborder opportunities. In due course, we will strengthen it even further with alliances increasing our range of destinations. The renewing of our fleet is well underway and has been accelerated during the pandemic. We have let go of many aircrafts, especially the Boeing 737 and the Airbus A310s, but also some of our A330s. We will from now on only operate A330s and A321s, two types of aircraft which have cockpit commonality which will drastically decrease the complexity of our operation. Among the latter, the new A321 Neo Long Range will be the spearhead with, the, with its 199 seat capacity and long haul capabilities. A younger fleet also means reduced unit cost. We have revamped our revenue management practices in recent years and we will continue integrating best in class tools and practices to achieve continuous improvement of our unit revenue. In line with our refocused vision, we are simplifying our structure. We continue working on our costs, also by renegotiating commitments such as aircraft leases and reducing our real estate footprint in light of a much more developed telework policy. Besides changes and improvements, there are traditional transat strengths that we can rely on and that we will strive that we will strive to improve even further. The first one, of course, is our brand and the unwavering trust of our customers. We have been ranked as best leisure airline in the world by Skytrax since 2018 and our satisfaction levels have steadily remained high in the past year, even maintaining themselves in extraordinary circumstances in which we were flying last year. We will work on pushing, pushing that even further, increasing loyalty, and doing a better job at acknowledging and rewarding our best customers. Digital will be a driving force in that effort with a focus on offering a self-serve, contactless, and personalized experience to our customers throughout their journey with us. Then comes our long-standing commitment to environment. 
In 2002, we were the first airline in North America to introduce a fuel management system to reduce GHGs. Our efforts have continued since then with our ambition increasing year over year while we were getting an ISO 14001 certification and becoming the first major travel company, Travel Life, travel life certified for all its activities. Moving forward, we will accelerate to ensure our growth compared with 2019 is carbon neutral with a view of reaching a net zero situation by 2050 at the latest. Last but not least, I want to speak about our teams. They've always been our major asset, the biggest one, the most important one, and their dedication and enthusiasm have not faltered during this lengthy crisis. We will make sure we retain them and capitalize on that by putting an additional stress to our training and development efforts. The loan we have received from the Canadian government will allow us to go through this still slow summer, ramp up and implement our plan. We are happy to be able to use up to $310 million of that borrowed, borrowed money to reimburse our clients who want it. Offering only credits was a necessary decision, but not one that we have made with a light heart. To date, we have received reimbursement requests for about 64% of the total amount. We are quite satisfied as well with the speed at which we are processing reimbursement with more than 70% of the requested amount already reimbursed. The rest of the loan, 390 million, added to the 120 million staying in place from our existing facilities will feed our restart until we have reached a stage when our operations start yielding cash again. In due course, we will also consider all options to refinance, refinance it. So as I said, even though we are not quite out of the doldrums yet, we are now looking to the future with confidence. The path is not going to be an effortless one, but we all, we all have all it takes, and it all starts on July 30th. With that, I will give the floor to Denis for more details on the quarter's financials. Denis. Thank you, Anik. Good morning, everyone. Needless, needless to say that our second quarter results were significantly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, as one of the measures in response to the pandemic implemented during the quarter was the suspension of our airline operations since January 29. During the quarter, we have continued to implement decisive financial measures aimed at preserving our cash. First, we have put in place a new global financing, a solution that we have been working on for a long while as part of our Plan B, and that were therefore ready to implement swiftly when the transaction with Air Canada was abandoned. As said in our April 29 press release, we enter into an agreement with the Government of Canada that allows us to borrow up to $700 million in additional liquidity through the LEAF program. In addition to the new funding, 
the amounts already drawn on the existing facilities remain in place and are extended for two years. The ratios applicable to the existing facilities are suspended for a period of 18 months. In total, the available financing will therefore represent a maximum of $820 million, of which $220 million was drawn as at April 30. Negotiation with our suppliers, including aircraft lessors and other cost-saving measures, have also continued during the quarter. Our Q2 results were as follows. Revenue of $8 million down from the $571 million in 2020. The 2020 second quarter was also affected by, by the pandemic. An adjusted net loss of $103 million compared to $39 million last year. The adjusted net loss of the quarter was similar to Q1 and includes amortization and interest for $53 million, mainly on aircraft leases, salaries for $21 million versus $79 million last year. As per financial statements, the net loss attributable to shareholders was $70 million and include a foreign exchange gain of $30 million, mainly related to the reevaluation of our aircraft lease obligation as a result of a stronger Canadian dollars versus the US dollar. Now for our balance sheet. The corporation free cash totaled $346 million as at April 30. The cash used during the six-month period represents $42 million per month and include salary, aircraft rents, other fixed costs but also include financing costs, payment of lease termination, and working capital items, such as amount due to supplier and employees, but also some reimbursement to client. When excluding special items, the cash used during the quarter was 30 million per month, an equivalent of $1 million per day. The decrease in free cash was compensated by the proceeds from borrowings of $170 million during the quarter, of which $100 million is coming from the LEAF pro program and $70 million from our existing credit facilities. For the rest of the year, we expect to invest some cash in the restart of the operation and as a result, to see a slightly higher average use of cash per month. Cash and trust, or otherwise reserve, totaled $249 million. The deposit for future travel stood at $560 million, of which travel credit voucher granted to customers in compensation for flights canceled amount to $505 million. Of those deposits for future travel, an amount of $230 million is held in trust, and obviously not included in our free cash of $346 million as at the end of April. The leave facility intended to reimburse customer deposits will allow us to rebalance our working cap by transforming a current liability, customer deposits, 
into a liability due in seven years using this long-term facility. Long-term debt stood at $208 million as at the end of April and includes our existing $50 million senior facility, our existing subordinated facility of $70 million, previous facility of 250 has been amended downward to $70 million, and an amount of $100 million drawn on the $390 million leave facility. Note that the accounting treatment of the drawing under this facility is not usual. In a nutshell, in conjunction with this financing agreement, warrants were also issued. Because of their characteristic, a conclusion was reached that these warrants needed to be presented as liability and not as part of equity. Furthermore, even though the issued warrants are not uh, vested at this time, the to their total fair value determined using a black shoal model had to be accounted for at the issuance date as liability related to warrants. From now on, liability related to warrants will always need to correspond to the fair value of the warrants at the closing date. The corresponding adjustment will then be presented in the PL as revaluation of liability related to warrants. The variation between April 29 and April 30 represent $800,000. The initial fair value of these warrants will also, uh, was also uh, recorded as deferred financing cost under other assets on our balance sheet. At each drawing, the deferred financing cost will be applied against the initial carrying amount of the drawings. An effective rate will then be calculated considering the expected cash flows to repay the corresponding drawing. Upon the first 100 million drawdown, an amount of 11 million was applied against the carrying amount of the drawing, and a total of $89 million leave debt presented on our balance sheet. Finally, the $310 million leave facility intended to be used for the purpose of reimbursing customers was not drawn as of April 30. Lease liabilities stood at $800 million, which include seven A321neo LR. Off-balance sheet agreements, excluding agreements with suppliers, stood at $748 million, mainly related to the 10 Airbus A321 to be delivered as at the end of April. After the end of the quarter, Transat acquired the remaining 30% interest in traffic tours held by the minority shareholders. The minority shareholders had the option to require Transat to purchase its minority interest since 2019 at a price based on a predetermined formula agreed upon back in 2007. Following a mutual agreement between the two parties, the actual purchase price was set at $34.5 million, which is lower than the amount of $34.9 million recorded in the financial statement at the end of April. $15 million was paid 
on May 31st, the balance of 9.5 million is payable in uh, October 2022. The manager of Traffic Tour and its subsidiaries remain in place to ensure is the successful rollout of its operation. Finally, as you can read in our press release this morning, we will not for now provide any uh, outlook for the remainder of 2021. We will now proceed with your questions. Thank you. If you are an analyst and wish to register for a question, please press the 1, followed by the 4. Pour les analystes qui désirent poser une question, s'il vous plaît, appuyez sur le 1 suivi du 4. The first question comes from Jean-François Lavoie, Desjardins. Please go ahead. La parole est à vous. Yes, good morning and thank you very much for taking my question. Uh, Denny, just coming back on your comment about the uh, cash burn, I think you mentioned that it would increase over the coming uh, quarters. So just, I was wondering if it's possible to give some details. Uh, are we going back to, let's say, Q4 of 2020 or Q1 of 2021? Any, uh, any indication on that front will be very helpful. Thanks. Um, what we said is it, it will increase slightly, then uh, we should not expect the amount to grow a lot, but it will increase slightly and will depend on the, uh, um, the restart of the, uh, of the operation, but I, I, I will stick with slightly. Okay, perfect. And looking in the future, um, let's say in terms of revenue, how, how much revenue do you need uh, in the business now that you have a, let's say, leaner cost structure to return to uh, profitability from an EBITDA standpoint and also from a free cash flow generation? When does it turn positive in the future? Obviously, with the um, fixed asset that we are having and the fleet, we surely need to, um, to have our, our volume coming to uh, 70% and up to uh, to uh, to be able to deliver results that will be a break even. At the same time, will depend on price, load factor, and everything. Uh, that you know that our business are generating um, uh, margin that are um, that were in the past, let's say uh, quite low. Then depending on the demand, we could be uh, surprised by uh, our fast. We could reach uh, break even in the future. If we look at, if I can add, uh, the, the projections that we have uh, made so far are based on demand projections that we've uh, received in the market from different institutions. And based on that, uh, the overall demand for travel would not go back to uh, 2019 level before 2024 and 2025. However, what we are hearing right now in the market that uh, it's these uh, these forecasts could be reviewed to be uh, potentially more optimistic on looking at the uh, the overall vaccination that we see uh, around the world. So we could be surprised. Uh, that being said, based on the uh, uh, former uh, forecast demand that we have. Uh, when we look at our numbers, we know that uh, 2022 is going to be another difficult year for us because we are going to be still in the process of ramping up our operation. We want to be very careful in what we're going to be doing. 
but we anticipate that after that, after 2022, we will be able to uh, come back with uh, so something that is more balanced and potentially um, uh, look for profitability than we're, we're remaining um, careful in our projections because uh, there's still uncertainty, not only in demand, but, at le but as well in the measures that will be uh, decided by the federal government in terms of uh, lifting or not uh, the restrictions at the border. So it, it doesn't depend only on us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's great, color. Thank you very much. And maybe a last one for me on the uh, land in Mexico that you purchased the portal for the hotel strategy. I'm just wondering if there are, maybe I missed it, but uh, is there a, a strategy or an initiative in place to uh, divest this um, this land to um, to increase the, the to solidify the balance sheet? So uh, we we are announcing today that we we no longer we no longer plan to own our our hotels. The the pandemic has had a significant impact on our cash flow and has made this sector not the best path to rebuild the business uh, right now. So and we are refocusing our business as outlined in our new uh, strategic plan. How and when we're looking at the land that we have in Puerto Morelos. Uh, we will look at uh, making a transition and see how we can uh, evaluate uh, these lands in the market and see what we're going to do with that. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. The next question comes from Tim James, TV Securities. Please go ahead. Um, thank you. Uh, good morning. Um, just wondering if we can take a step back and sort of look really long term here. You've got a, a good slide outlining um, the strategy in the uh, the presentation. Um, I'm wondering when or if you might put some financial metrics around that, uh, whether it be EBITDA margin targets, returns on capital, any other measure if, if at some point you will um, come forward with with that type of, of target or goals for the company? Um, obviously we will, but uh, it's a little premature this morning since the operation, we're just announcing that we will restart by the end of July, but it's something that we'll be uh, able to share in, I would say, in the near future. Uh, yeah. Okay, and then maybe just if you could kind of summarize um, for us at this point, and, and you've talked about it on, on occasions, of course, in the past, but you know, compared to historical levels of, of EBITDA margin percentage, I'm thinking of in particular, um, you know, I assume in the future, um, the, the potential there will be higher, presumably much higher. What will be the, the, the key drivers uh, of that? And, and is there any way you can kind of you know, give us a bit of a sense for how significant uh, an improvement you can make in uh, in EBITDA margins. And when we look at the plan and we look at uh, history versus uh, what we have in the plan right now, uh, we have major structural changes that are happening. 
the first one would be the transformation of the fleet where we are moving from five, four different types of aircraft to two, which is reducing complexity uh, drastically within the operation and therefore reducing our unit cost. And in, in addition to that, we are moving to a mixed fleet flying uh, concept uh, which will allow us to, for our pilots, for instance, to move from one type to the other, the A330 to the A321, uh, without having to go through intensive training again. So this is significantly uh, a big a big change for us. Uh, on top of that, of course, regarding the fleet, we are uh, it's becoming a younger fleet, so we used to have older aircraft. So in terms of maintenance cost. Uh, efficiency uh, that will drive uh, uh, the effic efficiency up. The other thing that we are moving away from is the seasonal uh, seasonal fleet, where in wintertime we used to import uh, multiple aircraft for different uh, lessors or different uh, carriers. And uh, so now everything will be done by our own network. Uh, and our, our own aircraft, uh, plus, of course, uh, the, the alliances that we are working on where we could develop a commercial agreement. So that's one thing. The other thing is uh, looking at our network. So and when, we're, when we're saying that we are, uh, we are moving away from a leisure company with a vertical integration model to a simpler simpler organization centered around its airline operation. It touched a lot around the, the network. And we've realized how much there, is, there are some uh, markets where we have been underdeveloped in the past. And I'm talking or referring, among other things, to the transborder market. So we need to increase our presence there. We need to increase connectivity. All the plans have been developed and assessed. And uh, we want to be able to do that, of course, uh, with the fleet that we have, and it will allow us to use to increase the use of our aircraft, which has, a, which has been a big burden in the past. When we used to compare our overall, overall average use of aircraft uh, compared to the WestJet and the Air Canada and other uh, carriers of these worlds, we were always below. We had too much seasonality. Uh, we were not using our aircraft enough during the, the weekdays, and we were even not uh, using our aircraft enough during uh, a day. So we have rebuilt, uh, we had time over the last year to rebuild the whole strategy around a network that is much more robust and that allows us to increase utilization, decrease our unique cost significantly, and on top of that, we continue to increase our revenue, our, our revenue in developing uh, and increasing and improving our uh, revenue management practices. So all of that uh, brings us to a much different organization, much more simple, uh, where everybody's going to be focused around the same goal. And I can tell you that everybody is highly motivated around the table to be able to achieve those goals. So it's difficult for us when we look at historic performance to say, uh, but for sure, one thing is for sure, we are highly confident that we will surpass uh, the results that we had in the past. 
uh, in, in a nutshell, we are bringing Transat to its full potential, which has, I would say, never been obtained in the, in the past 10 years. Okay, that, that's great, uh, great color. Just one quick one, uh, finally, in terms of the balance sheet, and again, I'm thinking out longer term. Is there any sort of metrics that you can provide uh, or ways that we can think about at what point or, or what your end goal would be, or even just a range for where uh, financial leverage will be when you get back to kind of a, a comfortable level? that the priority through the plan will be to reimburse uh, all the financing put in place. I'm not too worried about everything related to aircraft leases because those assets, anyway, we need them for the long run and depending on the year we are looking at it, we could have leases that end in 12 years or in five years and it will bring huge variation on the amount presented on the balance sheet. But for the rest of them, uh, the uh, the facility from the government and even the facility with our bankers, our priority will be to reimburse them um, during the plan, uh, getting rid of them, and uh, bring back the balance sheet to where it was before uh, three of those. Uh, for the one intended to reimburse customer, as we said on April 29, um, the, uh, it's a facility in place that is due in seven years and at a rate of 1.2%, then uh, will surely not be a priority for us to reimburse this one. During the, during the, um, um, the, the uh, return to some form of normal operation, we, we should see also deposit from customer um, remitted to uh, or paid to, uh, to our airline growing and that will also feed our cash position. Uh, we don't necessarily expect that, expect that to kick in uh, strongly in the next few months, but uh, as soon as confidence from the customer turn, we should, we sh should see them um, back on our balance sheet uh, and uh, um, improving significantly our cash position. We expect also to see um, accounts payable due to supplier growing like it was uh, pre-pandemic. And as you know, for airlines, deposit from clients and accounts payable are two main, um, are, are, are two, um, important source of financing. Then to conclude, I will say getting rid of the debt, um, bringing back, back back the balance sheet to where it was pre-pandemic is the is what we uh, are planning to do over the term of the uh, of the strat plan of the next five years. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thank you. The next question comes from Konrad Gupta of Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Good morning, and thanks for taking my question. Uh, and congrats, uh, Anik, uh, on the new role, as well as to Jean-Marc uh, on the retirement. Um, Thank you. So maybe the, uh, welcome. Uh, maybe the first one uh, for you, Anik. Uh, you, you mentioned about uh, domestic uh, and transborder expansion in your uh, you know, multi-year planning. 
Uh, can you elaborate on that? Um, and is there an existing airline model that you like to adopt as you transition uh, over the next five years? Uh, the, the, the model that we are adapting, well, we're, we're staying focused on the leisure travel. This is really important for us. Um, and we want to be able to um, capture all the leisure there it is, that there is, uh, especially between uh, Canada, the U.S., uh, the Southern Caribbean, eventually, potentially as well, uh, South America, uh, getting stronger as well on Europe. We are very well uh, positioned, but we need to uh, develop and become even stronger. And the way for us to become even stronger, uh, as I was explaining, is to, well, not necessarily do uh, many routes, but do them in an efficient way. So increasing frequencies, reducing our cost. So that's going to remain our goal for the upcoming years. And that's going to be the same on the domestic. Most of the domestic market is used for connecting opportunities. So bringing uh, customers from Western Canada, connecting on Eastern Canada to go to Europe, uh, we are planning to see the same as well out of the U.S. So that's, uh, for us, that's very important. That's very good. Thank you. Um, and then uh, with respect to, I understand you are not providing any guidance at this point, but with respect to um, your expectations uh, for the travel restrictions, you mentioned that the demand will come back pretty quickly. Uh, what are you seeing at this point as the majority of population is getting vaccinated, uh, at least a single dose? What kind of forward bookings are you looking for the, for the upcoming winter season, if you can give any context as percentage of perhaps you, what you typically saw pre-pandemic? Well, we definitely uh, see the enthusiasm around population as the vaccination process is getting higher. I can tell you that over the last uh, five to seven days, we have seen levels of booking for next winter that are around the same level the, of what we have pre-pandemic. So we're looking at numbers that are similar to 2018 and 2019. So we are uh, pretty excited around that. Again, we want to be careful because we want to make sure uh, well, there was some good news that were announced yesterday by the federal government where people, uh, Canadians that will be, uh, will have those, their two doses of vaccination will be exempt from quarantine at the hotel, but as well uh, at home. Uh, they have a negative PCR test. Uh, so that's one step. However, we need to know about the following steps. So we need to know about the, the overall plan so that we are able to plan uh, in an efficient way. So we are happy about the news that was announced yesterday. The borders, however, remain closed. Canadian borders remain closed for non-residents. Uh, we hope that that's going to be, that's going to, uh, that's going to evolve as, uh, as uh, people get vaccinated and that the proper measures are put in place to ensure a safe travel, but we remain confident. 
One thing is for sure, we see, you know, people have been, uh, I don't want to say sitting on their money, but uh, have not uh, had that many expenses over the last years. Uh, we see that uh, they are willing to uh, travel, they are excited to travel, and when it's time and when it's possible to do it safely, uh, they will be there. And we have our plan to be able to uh, capture those. Uh, but we definitely need a clear plan from the federal government to know what's going to be the next step so that we can plan uh, a reopening of our operation accordingly in an efficient way. That makes sense. Thank you. Um, and like, you touched on the bookings, obviously, but the, the other side of the equation is, is pricing and, and fuel as well. Can you comment on um, you know, what kind of pricing environment uh, are you seeing at this point and how concerned are you with respect to the fuel price uh, going back to the pre-pandemic levels? Are you actively hedging or do you plan to hedge? Well, in terms of pricing, uh, what we see right now is really similar to what we had uh, pre-pandemic. We don't anticipate that at this point, and it's early to say that there's going to be a big decrease or increase of pricing. So we're around uh, the levels that we had uh, pre-pandemic. Uh, pre I'm, I'm, I'm talking very generally. Uh, there are some exceptions, uh, of course, but overall we remain confident that it's going gonna, it's gonna to stay uh, quite uh, uh, stable. And regarding fuel, uh, are you, yeah, no, that's, that's helpful. Uh, regarding fuel, are you actively hedging or do you plan to hedge given the fuel price continues to run? No, not hedging at all at this point. We're waiting the operation to restart before. Um, price of fuel is going up, obviously, but we let's keep in mind that the Canadian dollar is a lot stronger than it was versus the U.S. dollar. And uh, for many like us, a very significant portion of our costs are in U.S. dollars. And in one hand, obviously, price of fuel is going up. But on the other one, uh, all our expenses in U.S. dollar cost us less because uh, our the revenue from for our, from our customer at this point are uh, mainly in Canadian dollars. Then it compensates uh, the impact of uh, of uh, the increase in the price of of, of the fuel. Okay, that, that's great, uh, Damien. Last one for me, uh, just kind of a housekeeping one. Uh, for the hotel uh, discontinuation you, you announced uh, today, uh, can you remind us what is the book value of the properties you have uh, related to the discontinued operations that could potentially be divested? 38 million US. That's great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. The next question comes from Cameron Dorkson of National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, good, good morning. Um, I just wanted to come back to the, I guess, the network strategy question that, that you, you've spoken about uh, a little bit so far. But I just, I just want to make sure I understand it correctly. Um, I mean, it sounds to me like the plan here is to kind of refocus operations around, you know, a hub, for, for lack of a better word, in, in Montreal uh, and, and feed domestic traffic through there. 
Uh, but I'm wondering, you know, is your intention to sort of cease operating, you know, direct point-to-point -point flights to sun destinations from Western Canada or from Atlantic provinces? I mean, is that how we should look at this? Is that this will really be a, a very Montreal-focused operation now? Yep. Well, our intention is to cease interna international flights out of Western Canada. Uh, we would uh, uh, remain on the domestic uh, market out of Western Canada and focus on Ontario for international flights, Quebec, and the Maritimes. Okay. Okay, no, that's, uh, that clarifies it a little bit. And uh, just really a second, uh, second question for me, uh, for, for Denis. Uh, I know you've been deferring some aircraft lease payments. Um, when do you have to start repaying those? I mean, I, I think if I look through here, it was 50-something million dollars that you had deferred. Uh, but when, when does that start to be repaid? Uh, we're in discussion with all our suppliers, including our aircraft lessor, then it's dynamic, uh, and um, we're, we're, we have no term set uh, yet on when those amounts have to be uh, repaid to um, to those uh, to those lesser. Then we're we're in discussion, we're in negotiation with all of them at this point. Okay, um, and then maybe final uh, just housekeeping item for me is really about the. Uh, uh, I guess the refunds uh, that you're paying out, uh, if I read correctly, you sort of expect to, to fully refund uh, you know, that, I guess the entire, I guess $310 million that's, that's, that's covering that. Uh, is that the case that, that you know, all, almost all customers you're expecting to refund? It seems to me that other airlines are suggesting that maybe the refund activity is not as much as they would have expected. Well, our intention is not to refund everybody, is to refund those who will want it to be refunded. <laughs> so right. we are accepting, of course. So, so we're going uh, based on a request, and that's, uh, this is how the program is developed as well with the, the federal government. We need to wait for uh, the customer's request to be able to process the refund. So we've reached towards our customer to make them known that they have up to August 26 to be able to come back to us and ask for their refund. And of course, we're we're very happy to be able to do so. But so we are we do not automatically refund people. Right, but I guess maybe the question for me was that that you, it sounds to me like the, maybe the the percentage of customers who are looking to refund as opposed to keep their their vouchers is maybe higher than what other airlines have suggested is the case yeah we see it as being higher and we look at that and uh, understand that we have uh, more you know of a leisure uh, customer and uh, which we who have of course discretionary uh, monies it's not like when you have business travel where the uh, the companies will not necessarily want to be reimbursed or so it's not the same. It's more based on an individual uh, need, and uh, and this is you know more like our our, our target clientele. So we're, we are not very surprised by numbers, and we are very happy to be able uh, to to reimburse our our clients. Have been very patient over the last year, uh, so so that's it. Okay. No. Very good. Thanks very much. Thank you. Our final question comes from Kevin Chang of CIBC World Markets. Please go ahead. 
Thanks. Thanks for taking my question here. Um, maybe if I could just ask uh, or follow up on, on Cam's question there on your on your more airline centric strategy moving moving forward. You know, when I think back to your investor day you had a few years ago, you know, you spent a lot of time on on the importance of this more vertically integrated strategy. You know, to have these hotels and and what that meant for future profitability. And, and it would have seemed at that point in time you could have also pursued a more airline-centric strategy, and you decided not to. Just wondering why going back to that is now better for the airline. I, I appreciate you know the, the, you don't have the same amount of cash available, but just just wondering why. Why, in, you know, in 2022 onwards or, or whenever the recovery is, why a more airline-centric strategy drives margin improvement that that might not have been as evident two years ago prior to the pandemic? It's, it's not clear to me what necessarily changed. The last plan that we had was divided into, uh, into uh, I would say, goals. One of them was to increase efficiency among our airline model, and the second one was to develop our hotel division, especially to improve and bring new revenue streams during the winter season. But one of the goals, as I mentioned the earlier, the, the, the previous one, the first one was to increase our efficiency. So it has been part of our strategy for uh, many years. However, uh, back then, we didn't have necessarily the right tools and the right, uh, I would say, even people and expertise to be able to do so. And this is what we started working on, which brings me to um, when we're talking about transformation of the fleet, this is something we started about uh, three, four, four years ago. When I'm talking about improving revenue management practices, this is something we definitely started intensively three years ago. When looking at, you know, aircraft utilization, seasonality, getting rid, getting rid of the um, uh, seasonal aircraft as well, these are all elements that we started attacking uh, back then in our last uh, uh, strat plan. So it's not a, a, a different strategy. However, uh, when we look at the past two years, we see that we need to refocus all our energy on that pillar. And we don't have not only, not only a question of money or capital and uh, treasury to be able to develop the hotel division, is that in the context, if we want to be resilient and if we want to be strong in the market, we need to focus on our core business. And this is what has changed uh, over the last year when we know that we cannot uh, go in diverse uh, you know, direction. We need to bring our, our resources all on the core business and focus on the, the airline business. That, that's helpful. And if I could ask, you know, when you when you look out um, over the next few years as, as you roll the, as you continue to roll this strategy out, are are you making an assumption in terms of the underlying competitive environment that you expect to see from, let, let's say, the likes of of WestJet and Air Canada that that have obviously also, you know, seen significant network changes because of the pandemic. Are, are there any assumptions you're making there that, that, that might have you know, might, might have been different than two, three years ago pr prior to the pandemic? Of course. 
this is something when we are evaluating our plans, when we are designing our networks, and when we see where we see that we're going to have competitive advantage, we always take into consideration what we foresee uh, in terms of development from our main competitors, whether it be uh, WestJet, Air Canada, Air France, British Airways. We know about their fleet plan. We know about their intention in terms of development, new routes, and we have to foresee how we're going to position ourselves in that uh, environment and how we're going to create value. So this is something that we do on an ongoing basis. We know where their strengths and weaknesses are. We know where the opportunities are for us as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a very thorough uh, uh, exercise that we've done in terms of developing our new 2022 and 26 plan. It's based on multiple analysis with tools that we use in terms of offer and demand on different routes and future positioning of each of the different competitors. And it's based on that, and this, it's, and this is how we position ourselves and see, you know, what's going to make sense for us. And this is where we are able to see that we are not to our full potential today. We are not to our full potential as an airline because we have been focusing on being a tour operator. We have been focusing on being a travel agency. We have been focusing on developing the division. Right now, we need to uh, refocus and we need to put all energy in becoming much better as an airline company. And we know how to that, do so with the recipe. That, that's helpful. Maybe just two clarification questions for me on, on, on previous comments, um, either Denis or Anna, you had made. Just on the booking curve comment, it, it sounds like uh, th things are similar to 2019 or, or even 2018, as you mentioned. Just from a clarification perspective, you know, when, when you talk about being similar, is that the same amount of seats? that you've sold at this juncture relative to what that looked like pre-pandemic or, or, or is the capacity that you've put out into the winter market different is just the percentage of the percentage that of that that has been sold is, is similar to 2018 and 2019. No, no, no. It's the number of seats that are being number sold. I'm talking okay. about booking levels. And okay. I want to be careful. This is the trend that we've seen over the last uh, six, seven, eight days. So, we anticipate that, well, of course, we would be happy for that trend to, to, to continue, to remain. But, uh, but in terms of capacity, uh, we have, at this point, we, are, we have not deployed as many seats in, for next winter as we had in the 2019 because we want to be uh, prudent and we, wanna, we don't want to forecast, we don't want to plan for an operation uh, that is too high because we never know what's going to happen. We don't want to go through what happened last year uh, where everybody was thinking that, you know, the, the borders would be lifted. We never know what's going to happen. So we are being prudent and going day by day progressively. But we remain okay. pretty confident about next winter. No, that, that, that's a, that was, a, that was, a, that was a, obviously a positive data point. And, and just lastly, Denis, just the going concern language, you know, you, you've got the financing in place from the government, you know, obviously optimism around the booking curve and what the government's going to do. Just just what, wondering what you or the, I guess, the auditors need to see before you remove that language. Is it just the restart of the operations is, is kind of the next milestone or, or, or are there specific financial 
metrics you need to deliver on before, um, you know, before that going concern language gets removed. Just given the fact that you have secured quite amount, you know, quite a significant amount of financing, um, you know, since late April. Yeah, as we as you uh, as you read when you look at this uh, note in our in our uh, MDNAs, uh, we completely uh, eliminate the um, the um, the reference to uh, the fact that the company was needing cash to um, and that was that was essential to secure that in the coming months and it's not there anymore. What's remain mm -hmm. is linked to the restart of the operation. Not having operation, we thought it was it was prudent to uh, keep that. It's not year end, and it's just a quarter. But we thought that um, adjusting the language and uh, restarting the operation uh, was was the was uh, prudent. Was, was prudent to, to do in the circumstances. No, that makes sense. Uh, that's it for me. Thank you very much. That was our final question. So thank you, everyone. Let me just remind you that our third quarter results will be released on September the 9th, 2021. Thank you very much, and have a nice day. This does conclude the conference call for today. We thank you for your participation and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you, and have a good day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.